Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. Sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello everyone, welcome back to Wonderful, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff and joining me tonight is BJ Cunningham. Uh, Anthony DeBundo is, well, he's got no power in his house, so he can't join us tonight. Uh, all the best to Anthony as he gets that situated. I guess it's lucky that it didn't happen on the night that the uh, the Phillies were playing, Anthony's beloved Phillies. Uh, but nonetheless, BJ and I will be able to have you covered we'll go through every premier league match coming up this weekend we'll touch on some bundesliga la liga Serie a league on give out our three-leg underdog parlay i have anthony's underdog and uh, this one comes out to about 183 to one so it's a big one uh we'll give out our best bets in the premier league and then we'll get out of here uh, but before we get this party started a reminder that wonder goal is presented by bet365 the Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. It believes every sport should be epic. Every tournament, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, see for yourself when you sign up today with code ACTION and get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. You must be 21 or older, and you must be present in, excuse me, must be present in Colorado Iowa, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia. And if you or anyone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, please call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms and conditions apply. All right, BJ, only one place to start on Saturday, 7.30 a.m. kickoff between Everton and Liverpool at Anfield, the Merseyside Derby. 
Liverpool minus 334. The Toffees traveling across Stanley Park as a plus 750 underdog. And the draw is plus 500. Uh, I'll turn it over to you quickly, but I just want to give you a, a, a place to jump off from. According to Opta. Sure. And I know that strength of schedule is definitely a thing here. But according to our mm-hmm. friends at Opta, yeah. Everton have more expected points than Liverpool this season. Mm-hmm. So they also they also Michael have more expected goals than Manchester City. <laughs> the juggernaut. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's not a joke. You can go look it up. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is an interesting one, Michael. And I think what's most interesting is what is Sean Dyche going to do from a tactical point of view. We've seen Everton this season obviously has played the weakest strength of schedule of anybody through eight matches. They've come up. They've tried to disrupt build-up play. They've done a great job forcing high turnovers, creating those transitional opportunities. But And they did with great success against Bournemouth. That was a fantastic match right before the international break. But are they really going to try and come and high-press Liverpool? I don't know if that's the strategy that Deitch is going to go with because we've seen it once so far. Everton has played one top-tier team, and it's been Arsenal. And that match was very, very boring because Sean Deitch decided to sit back, go kind of back to his old ways. Everton allowed over a 90% build-up completion percentage, 18 passes per defensive action, and five high turnovers in that one. Not a typical what we've seen so far from Everton. So I question if Deitch is going to go back to his old ways, 4-5-1 mid-block, and kind of just sit back a little deeper than what he has been doing so far. But with that being said, Liverpool is a much, much different team than Arsenal. Arsenal's slow build-up, control possession, control pace. Liverpool is high-intensity, quick transitions, and trying to get the ball moving forward as fast as possible. So you may not see necessarily see... Everton high press, but I think you'll see a lot of pressing traps being set in their mid block, trying to you know catch Liverpool out of position, um, which can work against Liverpool. It, teams have been successful against it, and Liverpool, I mean, they've been very very good offensively. I mean, the numbers are you know off the charts. the The last time they played Everton when Sean Dyche was in charge, they beat Everton two nothing, created two point three expected goals, and they're the only team so far in the Premier League to create a big scoring chance at every single match, and that is all wonderful but there are still so many problems defensively for Liverpool and it starts what we say every single time is they don't have a ball stopper in the middle of the pitch Curtis Jones is still suspended for this match so that means that you're just gonna probably see Alexis McAllister in a makeshift six role probably Liverpool staying more compact which is actually good for Everton because how have they created a lot of their chances this season getting the ball out wide and swinging in crosses they have swung in 177 crosses this season. That's second most in the Premier League. And Liverpool's allowing the 11th most crosses into their penalty area. So Everton can, without a doubt, you know, create chances against Liverpool in transition. I just hope that the pace of the match is fast enough and quick enough for this to be end-to-end style. And also, one more thing, Everton, and it is typical of the Sean Dyche team, but they've been very good on set pieces this season. 4.33 Expected goals created off of set pieces. That's second most in the Premier League. Liverpool 13th in XG per set piece allowed. So I like both teams to score here. I think we're going to have a end-to-end style match. I think minus 150 is a tad low. I projected a little over minus 200 for both teams to score here. Um, I just really hope 
Deitch doesn't go back to his old ways and tries to, you know, really stay compact and really try to frustrate Liverpool and make them, you know, circulate the ball from end to end and try to do it that way. But again, one more thing about Liverpool. We're coming off international break. This is a 12:30 kickoff. I'm sure Klopp's going to be complaining uh, all week about it and before the match and after the match and everything. Liverpool's got quite a few guys traveling from South America all the way back to Liverpool to play this match. So there could be some tired legs for Liverpool. So if you want to play a side in this one, the value is definitely on Everton. We've only seen it once against a top-tier competition, so I just kind of worry what's going to happen when they play this Liverpool team. But again, I think it's a good matchup for them. I think it's a good end-to-end style match uh, if Everton continues to play the way that they have. So both teams to score for me at minus 150, and I'll be sprinkling the Everton money line as well. Uh, yeah, I'll be on Everton on the money line. <laughs> the past, I don't know, maybe eight, 12 Merseyside derbies. At, no, post-Ancelotti. Like, the question was, will Everton be able to just sit back, absorb enough, and get lucky? Yeah, that was the path to success, and that's even true of with Deitch last year. Um and now there's actually a way that Everton could win this game themselves, like with the way they've been playing. Like they can actually go out and take the game. They've shown it. I think it's pretty clear that Everton are a bit underrated uh, per their actual results for six, their underlying statistical portfolio. And like you said, I think that the spot definitely favors them uh, against a, a Liverpool team that's just been leaky. And, and this Everton team's just been creating a ton of scoring chances. So I think that this is a, an actually a, a really good bet uh, on Everton. Yeah. So, uh, and one more thing, that, that last match that they played where Liverpool kind of dominated them 2-0, I mean, Ellis Sims was playing up top yeah. for Everton. Yeah, match. I mean, and, and they were in a, they were in a, the, like the depths of a relegation battle, like where you're... Right. You're ethos and your philosophy of playing a game is very different because you're just doing everything you can to scrape out a point in that in that match Mm -hmm. and Everton one of the few teams in the Premier League that is like very healthy right now I mean I know we're knocking on wood obviously but I mean they're healthy they have everybody available so it's a good spot for them yeah I'm with you uh seven that's the 7 30 a.m kickoff another underdog I like uh 10 a.m Live, uh, excuse me. <laughs> Manchester City is <laughs> minus 275 hosting Brighton uh, 6 to 1, and the draw is plus 450. I know that this can be one way traffic when these two teams meet. Um, however, the City attack, I mean, you just, said, you just said that Everton's creating more expected goals than City mm-hmm. to start the year. The City attack leaves this door open because Brighton's attack has just been so good. So, yeah. The Brighton defense is can be a nightmare every now and then, and, and we've seen them get pasted a couple times already this season. Uh, but they punch up so well. They're legitimately one of the best teams in all of Europe. If you were to create a 20-team league of the best teams in mm-hmm. Europe, like Brighton's in that league, I think you can go even further than that. And you're getting 6-1. to one. I know they're on the road, but I just this, is a, this team is always worth a look when you get this kind of price, especially with the way City is not playing teams off the pitch at the moment. And another situation where you've got a lot of people traveling in off of like European qualifiers and uh, all that kind of noise. Yeah, it's so I'm I'm going to pass on this one unless the price gets a little better. There are some 
positive signs for Brighton in this one. And one thing I think they can really attack City with is long balls. Instead of using uh, essentially from their buildup, they're obviously going to build out of the back. But once they get the ball to their center backs, I think you actually might see quite a few long balls. Brighton has the second best long ball completion percentage in the Premier League and City's allowing the third highest. So there can be some space available, especially on the wings. If, you know, Brighton, what Brighton likes to do, obviously, is overload the central parts of the, of the, of the pitch, and Pep Guardiola, Guardiola obviously knows that. So City will probably play a little bit more compact. I don't think you'll see them pressing very high, and especially against Arsenal. City, a lot of the match was just kind of sitting off and not really trying to press Arsenal high. I think they were a little afraid if they did that they would have gotten a little too exposed. And I think they might have the same problem here. So... Matoma and March on the wings will should have you know a lot of space to roam. The one worry with Brighton is obviously they've been very bad defensively, and one thing that they've kind of struggled with, especially it's very been very evident this season. Again, when they're facing teams that have big, powerful forwards, their center backs. If you know, obviously Lewis Dunk's an incredible center back, but the other center backs really haven't been able to cope with them. If you look, you know, if you go back through. Uh, like when they played West Ham, Mikel Antonio just completely bossed uh, Adam Webster for uh, large portions of that match and created two of the goals against West Ham. So Holland is, you know, he's been a little quiet lately and, you know, he could have a, a big game here. But the one thing about City and their attack, I tweeted this out today and it's, you know, it's something I mention a lot on this podcast, which is final third of box entry conversion rate, which I think can tell us a lot of different things. Uh, in the case of a team like Manchester City offensively, whatever their percentage is, it can tell us how effective they are at breaking down teams that want to sit in low blocks. Now, Brighton's not going to do that, but they're dead last in the Premier League. About 25% of their final third entries turn into box entries. Now, they have they have like 80 final third entries a match, so it's not like it's a, it's a crazy number, but it does tell us that, you know, maybe they haven't been as effective as they have been in years past in doing that. So, um, yeah, I just worry a little bit here, Brighton. They're they've been bad in transition defensive moments. So if they turn the ball over high here, it could get bad. But yeah, if you're going to take Brighton, take them on the money line. Like take the shot on the money line. Don't take them on the spread because it could get really bad, or it could, or they could right. obviously come out and uh, create a ton of chances and, and get at the city defense. But yeah, so if you're going to take anything, Brighton on the money line is definitely the play. So I agree with you. Yeah, I think that's a a good point. Uh, on to Chelsea and Arsenal. No, I, I should note that Anthony, he liked the uh, both teams to score in the first half of the Merseyside derby, uh, Liverpool and Everton, and he liked. It, he leans toward the under in, in Brighton and City, uh, under three and a half. Uh, he also likes the under here in Chelsea and Arsenal. Chelsea's plus two ten, Arsenal plus one thirty, and the draw is plus two forty. You know, some of their national breaks are just much needed, and this one. Certainly was. I felt like it, it's such a mm-hmm. slog betting uh, Premier League and <laughs> soccer, and it just you need that breather sometimes. And there are some international breaks that you wish never came, but this one definitely appreciated. And it was because I went into it with that Liverpool, I'm excuse me, City Arsenal game. I had the nil nil, ten to one. Uh, yeah, lost it there at the end. I know that was a good result for you and your heart. But guess what? I'm going right back to the nil nil here at Chelsea and Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, this game, who's scoring? I know. Who, who's That's even going to want to score? I think both teams would be like, I'm <laughs> totally okay with that. Like, we don't need to show yeah. up, get get a point, go home, everyone's healthy. Exactly. I think um, I think this match is going to play out very similarly to how the City and Arsenal match played out. And 
it brought me the city Arsenal match match brought me back to a quote that I read a while back from uh, Ulian Nagelsmann, where he basically somebody asked him is like there has there ever been like a perfect football match, and he was like no because football is inherently about mistakes like people pay tickets to go watch defensive mistakes very incredibly rarely do teams score when the defense doesn't make a mistake. So that's essentially what you saw from Arsenal and Manchester City. It was two teams were not going to allow the other to play through the middle of the pitch. They wanted to be solid defensively. And the pace was incredibly slow. And I think that's what you're going to see here is that Arsenal, especially now that they have Declan Rice, they are able to control the pace of matches. And a match like this, they are going to play very, very slow and try to build out of the back. And I'm not so sure. I mean, Chelsea has good pressing numbers right now. Like they're, they're, I believe they're sitting in the top five of passes per defensive action and high turnovers and everything like that. But they're along, you know, the same lines of Everton. They haven't played really any difficult competition whatsoever. I mean, the best team that they've played was match week one against Liverpool. Ever since then, it's been West Ham, Luton, Forest, Bournemouth, Aston Villa, Fulham and Burnley. Like it's been a very, very easy schedule. So I highly doubt they're going to come out and just relentlessly press Arsenal and try to disrupt their buildup play. I feel like they're going to sit off quite a bit, try to set some pressing traps, and Arsenal probably knows that. So it's going to be very, very slow. But the Arsenal thing is the thing is, is I know Anthony would would have loved to come on here and talk about how terrible the off- Arsenal offense is. And there are some concerns with it. They probably should be playing Gabriel Jesus as a nine. They've just had some injuries that they've had to deal with. But the biggest thing with Arsenal is their defense has been, outside of City, I'd say like second best in the world right now. They've allowed two big scoring chances the entire season and only 0.829 penalty XG per 90 minutes. And it comes down to guys being healthy. You know, last season towards the end, Saliba got hurt, Zinchenko got hurt, and they didn't have their usual back four. When they play their back four of Ben White, Saliba, Gabriel, and Zinchenko, they're incredible. Like they, they're allowing around that 0.89 penalty XG per 90. So yeah. And, and Chelsea, I mean, I understand that they've underperformed their XG again, but they're still like 10th in the, yeah. through that easiest schedule. So yeah, I agree with you. Nil, nil. I'm playing under two and a half at minus minus one ten. Uh, I do. I mean, I am projecting 2.7 goals for this, but that's taking a lot of prior data. And given what we've seen so far this season, I, I've, highly doubt this match is going to be an incredible back and forth. And the one more thing is even if somebody scores first, I don't see this match just yeah. completely opening no, they up could, they could play and being week. like this end to end style. They could play so. for a week and, and I don't know if they'd get to 10 goals <laughs> uh, in this one. I say that now. And, and fact. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So like I said, Anthony likes the under. He also suggested a, a, a sprinkle on Arsenal team total under Half a goal at plus three thirty. So don't do that. Yeah, we're no, we're all on the same that. page here. Don't do that. We're all on the same page. Uh, Bournemouth and Wolves. Anthony says he <sighs> thinks he he would play Bournemouth if it just have to be at a bit of a better number there. Plus one thirty seven at home. Uh, so they're favored as Wolves are traveling as a plus two hundred underdog and the draws plus two forty. These odds, of course, are from uh, Bet three six five. And yeah, I I think this one is pretty easy to move along from. It is, and the only thing I would tell is people, if you want to chase something, uh, like over four and a half is like five to one, or over five and a half is like 11 to one, I could see there just being absolute complete chaos in this match. These two teams, I'd say, are the biggest chaos teams in terms of, I mean, Bournemouth, they kept trying to build out of the back against Everton, and they just kept turning it over again and again and again and again, and they're going to continue to keep doing that, so... 
Wolves will press high occasionally. They've been setting good mid blocks. They're a good transition team. Uh, NATO's been incredible. So if you want some chaos, I think this could potentially be one of the bigger chaos matches in the weekend. Now, I wouldn't play over two and a half at minus one thirty-five. I think the price, you know, playing that straight is a little too uh, pricey. But if you want to chase something, over five and a half at eleven to one, I think is the play. Uh, we love chaos on this show, and uh, yeah. you know what? Everyone else loves uh, compliments, and compliments are guaranteed after making the leap to skincare with Caldera Lab. And I'm talking about how you look today and 20 years from now. The results are incredible in little time. Men's skincare and Caldera Lab are the perfect pair for you to look and feel your best. Super easy to add to your morning and nightly routine. Clear skin, less wrinkles, less signs of aging. Enough said. Caldera Lab skincare. Join the other 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab and show your best first impression this fall. Caldera Lab knows the skincare world is heavily female-driven and has long been the wild, wild west for men. That's why they're making the solution simple with just three steps. One, the clean slate, which is a face wash to start and end your day. Two, the base layer, which is a daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin. And three, the good, which is an eye serum you can put on at night to help your skin look tighter and smoother. And just for our audience, we have an exclusive deal. Use the code GOAL at calderalab.com to get 20% off right now. That's 20% off with the code GOAL at calderalab, C-A-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B.com. Make unforgettable first impressions with Caldera Lab. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. You know what else we love is Brentford. Uh, mm-hmm. At least usually. Not when they're minus 125, although one of us might be playing them here. Uh, they are odds-on against Burnley, who are traveling plus 333, and the draw is plus 280. Another one I was happy to pass on. You know, I, I looked at this, and it kind of was an immediate pass for me, and then I started to dig in a little deeper and deeper and deeper. And I came out actually liking the bees at minus 125. I mean, I do project them at minus 150. They've come down uh, a little bit from where they were. They opened around minus 140 and now they've come down a little bit. And I just don't really see it with Burnley at the moment. Uh, I mean, Burnley, if it wasn't for Sheffield United, they will they would have created the fewest expected goals of anybody. 6.5 in their first eight matches. They continue to try to build out of the back. It's not working. They constantly turned the ball over against Chelsea. That's why they lost. 
created numerous transitional opportunities. And Brentford, while they're not the type of team that's going to come out and press high, they love to press in their own final third. I mean, they are fifth in passes per defensive action and fourth in opponent buildup completion percentage allowed. So they can cause a lot of problems for Burnley once they get into the final third and create those transitional opportunities. Burnley, they've been bad in transition defense because they keep turning the ball over high. They're 19th in final third at box entry conversion rate allowed. Brentford, second in expected threat, fourth in box, uh, final third of box entry conversion rate. So a very, very good transition team, as we know many, many times. And another thing that Vincent Company has done is, you know, typically when we, he came into the Premier League and what he's been doing for a lot of it is pressing man-to-man out of a 4-4-2 out of possession. And it hasn't worked. Like, they consistently get played through, and they've given up a ton of goals. So against Chelsea, he switched to a passive 4-1-4-1 mid-block. But what happened was, is because he set up his team and the personnel that he had to play a certain style, switching to play a more passive style didn't work either. It gave Chelsea too much time. They played right through them, got the ball wide, and created a bunch of chances that way, ended up scoring four goals. So... I don't think either approach is going to work here against Brentford. If they decide to play passive, Brentford can very easily play a 4-3-3 and build out of the back. They've done it many times against Leicester competition. Or if Burnley tries to press them high, well, Brentford will just send long balls up the pitch and get the ball to Wieson and Buemo in 1v1 situations against the opposing center back. So I, it's a weird situation that Burnley is in here. So uh, And Brentford, one more thing. Since the start of last season, when they played teams in the bottom half of the table at home at the Brentford Community Stadium, plus 9.3 expected goal differential in 13 matches. So I'm going to take the Bs at minus 125. I mean, I project a little bit of value on it, and I think there are still some some problems here with Burnley that haven't been sorted out yet. And, to, and so until I see it, I'm going to continue to fade Burnley. Yeah, I think it, you can make the argument that Burnley have been, yeah, well, United. But Burnley have been up there in near the top of the table for most disappointing team, uh, at least from, from yeah. the kind of relegation blob that we were talking about uh, before the season. They were much hyped, and they have failed to meet it. On to Newcastle and Palace. Newcastle's minus 223 at home. Palace traveling is 6-1 to one underdogs, and the draw is 3-1, uh, to one, a little bit north of 3-1. to one. These are the kind of numbers I like betting Palace at. Like, you just mm-hmm. you you know you're going to get a professional <laughs> effort. You know that Roy Hodgson is going to set them up to, yep, for, for lack of a better word, to stay in the game as long as they can. Like against an opponent like this on the road, hostile environment, Newcastle, they are on song at the moment. Uh, mm-hmm just absolutely buoyant after the, I mean, they draw, they did, they did play to a draw uh, going into the break, but you know, the, the win over PSG at home it's, and just their form before that, uh, it was a three in a three in a row. And then you th- in the league and they throw the PSG match on top, but palace are the team, like Palace are the type of team that can just snuff that out because they're just mm-hmm. going to come there. They're going to be organized. They're going to battle you. Newcastle can do their little slow build up stuff. It could it might just take forever for this game to get going. I really like Palace at this number. I'm in on the money line yeah. six to one. Yeah, I like both teams to score no at minus one fifteen. I don't hate like a palace either. Um the problem I have with Palace, and I do they have been very, very good defensively. And it's something that we talk about a lot with Palace, and especially Roy Hodgson, 
is they're not going to come out and try to press Newcastle. They're going to sit back. They're going to sit in their low block and their back four of Ward, Gay, Anderson, and Mitchell have been playing together for so long. They're so good and, and well-organized back there. And check to Corey. looks like he's going to play in this match, which is obviously massive to them. But handing the ball to Newcastle and asking them to break them down, I think is a good strategy here because now you can make the argument that a team like Newcastle can break down low blocks, but they've been breaking down really bad low blocks like Sheffield United and West Ham. But what happened when Newcastle played a team like Brentford? They did next to nothing for the entire match. They got a penalty and won one nothing. Created 0.7 XG from open play and only took eight shots against Brentford. Palace, top five right now in expected goals allowed. Top five in big scoring chances allowed. The issue I have here with Palace is they're going to be without Eze for this match. Edward's going to be back, which is a big, big uh, key for them. But Eze has been so big for them. I mean, he leads them in pretty much like every single offensive category that they have. And I'm just not sure if, if Crystal Palace can threaten Newcastle in transitional moments. I mean, West Ham did create 1.2 expected goals against Newcastle. And the reason they did 1.2 is because... Nick Pope made just an incredibly dumb goalkeeping error that led to a tap-in, which that shot had a 0.9 you know, XG rating. West Ham did nothing for the remainder of the match and scored a goal from outside the box. So um, so I like both teams scored now at minus 115. I question Newcastle's true ability to break down this low block. Ishak is questionable to play in this match. If he doesn't play... That's really massive to them because if you watch the match against West Ham, he is pretty much the only reason why they were creating chances to begin with. He obviously scored twice uh, and created a ton of chances in and around the box. Um, so this has potential for like a new like a zero zero draw or potentially you know a one nil win for either team. So uh, both teams score no at minus one fifteen, projected at minus one fifty five. Um, so could be kind of a snoozer at St James Park. Yeah, the. Um... We we were talking about the range of outcomes for uh, Brent, uh, Bournemouth and Wolves being all over the map, and this is kind of the antithesis of that one, where you can kind yeah. of just see three outcomes here. You know, Newcastle wins kind of a sleepy 2-3-0, takes Palace out of the game early. Maybe the game ends 0-0 as a second possible outcome, or nodded deep into the match and Palace nicks it, so... I uh, Yeah, I like Palace here. I also like the underdog in the next one we're going to talk about. That's Nottingham Forest as an odd dog <laughs> minus 150 favorite against Luton Town. Uh, they're traveling at plus 450. There's bigger numbers out there on that one. Uh, and the draw is plus 475. Uh, yeah, so Luton Town's been bad. They're not as bad, though, as everybody thinks yeah, they are. Yeah, that, I think that's the right way to look at it is their reputation is out of whack like they're bad um but you look at their expected goal differential per 90 uh and they're ahead of sheffield united bournemouth burnley and fulham and they're basically on par with wolves and they're being michael they're being priced like the norwich city team from what three years ago they're being priced like they've been really they were relegated yeah in march um forest is good at home but they're they're still not in a force. Like this is, yes. uh, <laughs> you, you can't say with a straight face, Oh, this looks like a great spot to bet Luton town, but this feels like a great spot to bet Luton town. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, yeah. I mean, I think it's a fantastic spot to bet Luton Town. I feel like I'm going to be betting them every single week now if the market keeps uh, putting out numbers like this. This is the highest price that Nottingham Forest has ever been in the Premier League by a pretty wide margin. Uh, their next highest price was minus 115 against Sheffield United in match week two. Um, obviously, Sheffield United, what we know about them now is they're really, really bad, and they are the worst team in the Premier League. It's not Luton Town. Um, but, you know, Luton Town obviously looked terrible against Tottenham. Like, there's there's no other way to, to put it. And they obviously got uh, benefited by the red card at halftime, so it didn't look as bad. But to begin that match, it was it was really, really bad. They were giving up a lot of chances. Tottenham was just walking into their box and just taking shots from wherever they wanted. Um, but with that being said... Luton Town this season has played five what I would call non-elite teams. They've looked terrible against the elite teams, but against the non-elite teams, they again, which would be West Ham, Fulham, Wolves, Burnley, and Everton, they have a plus 0.2 expected goal differential in those five matches. And Nottingham Forest has not been good offensively at all. They are averaging 0.97 XG per 90. That's 18th. 10.5 shots per 90. That's 19th and 10.4 box entries per 90. That's 18th. And all of that has been with Taiwo Aonawi as their main striker. He is out injured for this match, which is massive for them. He was been he, over the last two seasons for them, he's been a 0.43 xG per 90 minute striker. Chris Wood is going to be the next option, uh, which is a pretty significant downgrade. And the one thing for sure about Luton Town that we know about them for sure now is they want to get the ball out wide and they want to create chances via crosses. They have completed the most crosses of anybody in to the penalty area of anybody in the Premier League. That is an incredible feat for them to just be leading one category. And Nottingham Forest is going to be without Serge Ariere for this match, which is a big blow for them because he's been playing right back essentially consistently for them for about a year now and is a very, very good defender in wide areas, especially when Nottingham Forest likes to drop five in their back line. That will allow, and I'm, I don't normally, if you listen to the show, I don't really give out props, but I have a prop today, Michael. Let's hear it. Alfie Daughtry has created 20 chances so far this Premier League season. That's the fourth most in the Premier League. Six point, a little over six shot creating actions per 90 minutes. He is seven to one to have an assist in this match. So that is the prop bet here. But I do like Lutentown plus one at minus 137. And, uh, Maybe it's an underdog in, in, in that segment as well. But again, the the market is just perceiving this team as just completely awful, but they've hung with the teams in and around their area in the table. Yes, they've looked terrible against good competition, but they're not as bad as the market is perceiving them. So this is a good spot here to bet Luton Town. Um, Nottingham Forest is significantly overvalued without their, their best player. Uh, so it's another bet on Luton Town. Another bet on Luton Town. I was hyped up for that bet against uh, Spurs. So was, what was happening? I see the red card. <laughs> and there were Charles in like 30 seconds. Yeah, they missed an absolute sitter. <laughs> uh, uh, so that Chelsea-Arsenal game's the 12.30. Like I said, the Merseyside Derby's 7.30. The other games we talked about were the 10s. Um, and then there's also a 3 o'clock game, Eastern Time, on Saturday afternoon. That's... Sheffield United as a 6-1 to underdog against Manchester United, minus 250 in the draw. For this one, is it 4-1? to Been betting against Manchester United a lot. To the most, For the most part, it's been working. Been betting on Sheffield United a lot, and it hasn't worked at all. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Ugh. I will be happy to call it a Saturday before this match kicks off. Yep, me too. <laughs> uh, 
I, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I haven't done a real deep, like deep, deep dive into how truly bad Sheffield United is. And maybe that's something I will do uh, next week or, or sometime when I actually want to muster the courage to bet on them. But like, they've been so bad. I've been like projecting value against United for like, I think every match this, this season. And this has been the one match where I just don't have any value on them. So uh, I'm passing. I could give you a ton of stats right now that could tell you how bad Sheffield United is, but I'll just tell everybody they're really bad. They're bad at everything. They're not good at one thing right now. So um, this is an easy pass. Do not lay minus one and a half with United on the road, Manchester United on the road. That is a terrible decision uh, given their defensive situation. Um, but they'll probably end up winning four nothing here uh, against the Blades, and everything will be all good. Eric Ten Hag will his seat will cool down a little bit before they. Uh, go lose in the Champions League to Copenhagen this week. Nothing nothing more to add. Uh, very little to add on the Sunday kickoff, too. It's Villa as an odds-on favorite, minus 110, hosting West Ham, plus 280, and the draws, plus 260. I would say that like it, it would be West Ham or nothing here against Villa, who are all over the map with mm-hmm. how they played this year. They, they are winning more than they're losing, I should note, but you look at their games and once again, like they're so high event. They've, when you take their expected goals for and expected goals against and put them together, you get 28.1, 15.14, 13 against. Uh, I think only Brighton is, has more than that. And it's, it, after that, it's, it's, there's not really anybody all that close West and West Ham's actually another one that's been mm-hmm. high event too. So, and you just don't really think about that. When, when it comes to, uh, especially with West Ham. So I think, you know, people will point to the over here. You can look at another kind of crazy prop like you talked about with Bournemouth and, and Wolves. Uh, but I'm just, like I said, I, I have enough bets on this board. I, I, I do. So I'm just, yeah, I'm happy to, uh, to kick this one to the pass pile. Yeah, I mean the total's at three. So like like you said, like you just mentioned, that's why the total is sitting as high as it is. Um but I do like Aston Villa here at home uh, at even money. And I think this might be my first bet on Aston Villa. I feel like I've been fading them ever since Unai Emery arrived at Aston Villa. Um but I mean listen, West Ham's just been flat out terrible defensively. I mean, David Moyes is playing a park the bus extreme low block this season. And what has been happening with them and it happened against Newcastle is they will look really good for about the first 30, 40 minutes of the match. And then when you get to the second half, they completely start to tire out because guess what? When you're constantly man marking runners in your own final third for 70% of the match, it gets a tad exhausting. And when you're not very deep, like a, like a team like West Ham is, uh, it can cause a lot of problems. So that's why you see right now, 60% of West Ham's expected goals allowed have come in the second half. And Unai Emery has switched his formation. He's been playing a 3-5-2. Matty Cash and Luca Dean as, as wingbacks trying to progress the ball forward up the pitch. And the results have been working. I mean, Aston Villa, when they're in possession, they're building out of a 3-2-5. Uh, those wingbacks push high at the field. They get in 1v1 situations, especially with Diaby coming over to the right side of the pitch to create an overload. And they've been able to swing in a ton of crosses to the box uh, and create chances that way. So they've created a lot of chances via crosses. Actually created, uh, had the second most crosses completed in the penalty area of anybody in the Premier League. West Ham has allowed the most crosses of, of anybody. And 
one more thing about West Ham is that Ariola, the goalkeeper, is on an incredible shot stopping uh, run right now. Plus three point five post shot, actually plus minus. Uh, that's most in the Premier League, so could see some regression coming for him. And if you think about the team types of teams that West Ham has been successful against, you know, like a Brighton or a Newcastle, it's teams that will press them high relentlessly, and they can send the ball long and you know actually have some advantages in the middle of the pitch to win those duels and also space to be able to operate in transition with the great dribblers that they have like Paqueta and Jared Bowen. Well, Aston Villa is not the team that's going to press you high. They're going to play a mid block and they're going to condense the space in between the lines. So and West Ham's not really a team that is going to make runs off the back line and try and create chances that way. So they're kind of stuck in this middle limbo where I'm not really sure how they are going to score against Aston Villa, even though Aston Villa has given up a lot of chances. So, um, and yeah, and you know, Aston Villa has the reason why their expected goals is so high is because they've allowed 12 big scoring chances, but nine of them have come against Newcastle, Liverpool, and Brighton. So they've been much, much better against lesser competition. So I projected Aston Villa at minus 119. I think West Ham's low block has been really, really bad. And so getting Aston Villa at home at even money, I think has a little bit of value. All right, uh, and the last uh, Premier League match on the slate is a Monday night football kick between Spurs and Fulham. Uh, Tottenham minus 200. Fulham is 5-1, to one, and the draw is plus 350. Uh, man, <laughs> it's, it's one of those situations where it's a little bit more pencil and paper handicapping than uh, just looking at the numbers. Because I think in terms of the price... Like we know Tottenham's going to be a little inflated. They're top of the league right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're one of two teams that's yet to lose. The vibes are immaculate under uh, Big Ange. That said, the, the matchup here is really good for them, stylistically, I think. So you can look at some... I think you can look at like a, a, a Spurs minus two and a half at plus yeah. 310. That is maybe my favorite bet if I was going to do it. I'm not totally mm-hmm. sure if I'm there yet. It's a Monday kick, so I've got all weekend to see if I'm licking my wounds <laughs> or not. Um, but I would look at a, a Spurs blowout is the route uh, I'm looking for here. I, I agree. If you're going to do anything late here with Spurs, you know, the one thing um, with Tottenham and why they've been so good, final third of box entry conversion rate. I think I've said it, what, eight times already this episode? Well, Tottenham's number one in the Premier League. About 40% of the time when they get the ball into the final third, it's getting in the penalty area. That is how effective they have been at breaking down teams like Fulham that want to play a low block. Now, Fulham has improved defensively over the last few matches. You know, they won, obviously, against Sheffield United, only allowed 0.6 XG, held Palace to 0.3, held Luton Town to 1.1. But if you look at when they've played the top-tier competition, 2.2 to Man City, 3.2 to Arsenal, 3.7 to Brentford, although they'd have a red card there, and 2.7 to Everton uh, on opening weekend. Um, So, yeah, this could get really badly out of hand, especially if Fulham concedes first here and they have to come out of that low block and they have to try to press and and give some more space to Tottenham, which has been a death sentence for many, many teams. So it's all about if, if Tottenham can score here uh, first. So, um, but yeah, if you're going to play anything, you know, like you said, Tottenham minus two and a half or any type of alt like that is a, is a good way to play it here on a Monday. All right. That's the, the Premier League done and dusted. We'll go on to the Bundesliga. Anthony and I both like minds. Yeah. Uh, in different ways. I, I think that, at, you know, plus 
750 there. A decent look for the uh, for an upset in uh, the Bundesliga against third place uh, Bayern Munich right now. Uh, mine's sitting at 17th, but their expected goals differential suggests they should be a little bit higher than that. And we know we trust both both Svensson on the show, and he needs a result. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty badly. So he does. I, he uh, really needs a yeah. result. I, I, uh, I think that they're worth worth a look at least. Uh, what do you have for yeah. for the Bundesliga? Uh, Hoffenheim, Eintracht Frankfurt under two and a half at plus one twenty five. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. There's some like really concerning things going on with their offense ever since Kulamani has left, and obviously Kamada has left to Lazio as well. They're getting uh, a ton of their offense into the final third. Like they are top seven in both final third entries and box entries. They have no forwards to finish off any chances. They have taken the third or the fewest shots of anybody in the Bundesliga and are averaging 1.03 non-penalty XG per 90. Like that's really, really bad where you're getting the fifth most final entries of any team. So like they've been good. Like they've been controlling possession and they've been doing that type of thing and it's been good, but just a really, really bad offense, but a top five defense. Um, they have a really, really good ball stopper. And Elias Shakiri, who's came over from Cologne, um, just runs for days. Uh, he's incredibly good against teams like Hoffenheim who want to play more transitional type games. And Hoffenheim, their defensive numbers haven't been great, but they have improved. They had two really bad performances in the beginning of the season against uh, Heidenheim and Freiburg. But ever since then, they've allowed under 1.6 XG in every single match. So, I think you're seeing just a little bit of an inflated total here um, with uh, you know a Frankfurt team that just can't generate really any high quality chances whatsoever. If I mean getting the fewest shots in the Bundesliga with the fifth most final third entries, like that's incredibly embarrassing and very inefficient in the final third. So um, under two and a half plus one twenty five at Hoffenheim and Frankfurt for me. All right, uh, what do you got in uh, La Liga, Syria A, and legal? Well, we got uh, La Liga. The big match of the weekend is Sevilla and Real Madrid. I think the price is, is is a little too short on Real Madrid at minus 115. I mean, Sevilla's putting up great offensive numbers, but her defense is still 18th in expected goals. They are 18th in final third to box entry conversion rate, showing just how bad they are in transitional defense. And there is a formation, Michael, I believe it was against Napoli that Real Madrid played that made just total sense for the team that they currently have structured, where they were putting Vinicius Jr. and Rodrigo as a front two. They were playing Bellingham as a 10, and then they were going Valverde, Tony Cruz, and Chumeni as like a three-man midfield, essentially a 4-3-1-2. And given what how good Bellingham has been, like he might be like honestly, he might be the best player on the planet right now. Like Mbappe has been in a little bit kind of a bad form, but like Bellingham does literally everything that you could ever want from a midfielder. So going up against the Sevilla defense, that has been bad. The one worry here is that Sevilla has been very, very good at, at uh, creating chances via crosses, obviously with Ennisiri as a great aerial threat in the middle. Um, and Real Madrid has allowed quite a few crosses in their penalty area. But in terms of a price point, I mean, given what we've had in terms of, expected goals results. I mean, Real Madrid last season was around a plus one XG differential per 90 minutes. And Sevilla obviously was in the, in the red. And I mean, this season Real Madrid has still continued to put up good numbers. So too low a price on Real Madrid uh, at minus 115 uh, against Sevilla in Syria. Ah, 
Salernitana, Cagliari, over two and a half at plus 110. Two bottom five defenses going up against each other. Um, Buladia has been out a few matches for Salernitana. I think he's going to be back. Uh, he's been playing for the last few ones and should be there for this match as well. Uh, very, very important player to them and should be able to create a lot of chances against a very, very bad Cagliari defense. So I mean, honestly, it's been two offenses that have been not very good, but when we have a situation like this, where we have two of the, of the worst defenses, I tend to, to favor uh, the defensive metrics more than the offensive ones, because a lot of the uh, defensive metrics can be more indicative than, you know, offensive when you're playing especially low blocks against good teams in Italy. And then France, Lille minus 130 against Brest. I'm going to continue fade to start the Brestois team. Their, their underlying metrics have been good. They were a relegation fodder team last year. They sold away their best attacker, and somehow they've just put up incredible numbers. But Lille is still very, very, very good. Number one in box entries in both offensively and defensively, still second uh, in league on in expected threat and a lot of defensive categories. So I think minus 130 is, is too short of a price at home uh, for Lille against Brest. Uh, lovely stuff. Lovely, lovely stuff. Onto the underdog parlay. Three legs. This one spits out at 183 to one. I will give you Anthony's right now. Uh, he likes. Uh, I don't know who this is, so tell me. Who I, I haven't. You looked. know who he's going against. Oh no, he's yeah. He, he likes Celta Vigo against our boys. Oh gosh. Uh, at Letty. I tried to. I I texted him. I tried to tell him they were losing this weekend. Yeah. But he didn't listen. Anyways, that's Anthony. We won't get too too deep into it. Uh, I like Everett plus seven fifty. In the Merseyside Derby against Liverpool, Everton, according to our good friends over at Opta, have created or have generated more expected points than Liverpool so far this season. I know, I know you can poke holes in the Everton schedule to date, and I know that they haven't won many, very many games, and I know that they haven't won very many games against Liverpool and past 15 years or so beyond that but the point is that they're not as bad as this number tells you they are and the gap isn't the gap is wide between these two teams Everton's a big underdog for a reason but the gap isn't as wide as these odds suggest and it's also a tough spot here for Liverpool coming back from the international break uh, as BJ noted a lot of players coming from different continents uh, Everton really don't have as much of a problem there and I'll lastly say that uh, this Liverpool defense continues to be suspect. First, for a second there, it looked like maybe they were getting their act together. It was a blip, and they've been poor uh, relative to expectations, and the Everton attack has been honestly better than promising. Promising is maybe an understatement. So this is a live dog situation. Everton plus 750. Luton Town, 5-1 against Nottingham Forest. Again, the market is perceiving this Luton Town team as one of the worst teams the Premier League has ever seen. And right now, that is just not the case. In the five matches that they've played against competition around their area of the table, they have a plus 0.2 expected goal differential. That is pretty impressive for a team that doesn't really have much talent. And what we know about Luton Town is they love to create a ton of chances via crosses. Nottingham Forest will be without one of their best wide defenders in Serge Ariere. So Luton Town could create a lot of chances off the left wing of Alfie Daughtry. Also, Nottingham Forest without Taiwo Awanawi, their best striker. So uh, not, that means Chris Wood is going to be up top, which is a significant downgrade for Nottingham Forest. So for a Nottingham Forest offense that has been bottom three in every def- offensive category, this 
is the highest price they've ever been in the Premier League, it's a good time to fade them with Luton Town at five to one. The Hatters. Uh, all right, so that's Luton Town, Everton, and South Vigo as our three leg underdog parlay, one hundred eighty three to one. On to our best bets uh, now for the upcoming Premier League match week. I will let you know that Anthony's favorite play is the under in Chelsea and Arsenal under two and a half at minus one ten. I'm going to take another big price here. I like Brighton on the money line at six to one uh, as my favorite bet. I went back and forth on Brighton and Palace, but I just think that the upside with Brighton is, as BJ noted, like this match could go so many different directions. And a lot of those directions are end up with a Brighton win. The way that this attack is going this season, it's going to give any defense in the world problems. And I know city's defense is still the uh, unquestionable best unit in the world, but their attack is not. And, so Brighton's poor defense, all of a sudden, it doesn't become as big a problem as it would if the City uh, offense was firing on all cylinders like it was for the lion's share of last season, especially after the World Cup. So I'm going to take a shot here. I just, you know, when, when you're getting a number like this, uh, plus 600, even on the road, on one of the better teams in the league, top four team in the Premier League, top five team in the Premier League, however one you want to put Brighton, they're just as good as teams like, you know, three or four years ago, like the Manchester United's or Tottenham's of the world, and you weren't getting these prices on them. Uh, so if you just kind of switch the names around and you put a bigger name on uh, on Brighton here, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be getting 6-1 to one, uh, with City in this kind of form. So I like the Seagulls as my favorite bet. Yeah, I like uh, Everton, Liverpool, both teams to score at minus 150. Everton has been incredible offensively. And yes, they have played an easy schedule, but they have created more expected goals than Manchester City this season. But from a tactical perspective, I think this match sets up pretty well for them. It depends on what Sean Dyche is actually going to do. Is he going to go back to his old ways and play a 4-5-1 mid-block and not try to press Liverpool high? Or is he going to do what he's been doing to a lot of teams in the bottom half of the table, which is pressing high, disrupting disrupting build-up play, creating those high turnovers, and creating a lot of good transitional opportunities, which is how they've created a lot of these expected goals. Now, what's going to happen with Liverpool is because they're without Curtis Jones, they're not going to have a true number six in the middle of the pitch. So it's probably going to be Alexis McAllister. And what Liverpool has been doing is they've been playing more compact out of possession to not allow teams to easily play through the middle. So that means there's going to be a lot of space in wide areas for Everton, which is a good thing because Everton has completed the fourth most crosses of anybody in the Premier League this season, into the penalty area. Liverpool, while 13th in that same category defensively. Everton, also incredible set-piece defense. You always know that with Sean Dyche teams. They've created 4.33 expected goals off of set-pieces. That's second most in the Premier League. Liverpool, 13th in expected goals allowed per set-piece this season. So some good offensive advantages here for Everton, but the Liverpool offense is still elite. They've created a big scoring chance in every single match they've played this season. They're the only team in the Premier League to do that. Still, you know, top three in expected goals. So for an Everton defense that hasn't really played much top tier competition, they could get a little bit exposed here. So both teams to score at minus 150 in Everton and Liverpool. Okay. That does it for this episode of Wonder Goal, uh, presented to you by our friends at Bet365. We will be back for a Champions League preview on Monday morning. So be sure to check out. Uh, that episode when it drops. Until then, best of luck with all your bets. 
this weekend. Soccer and beyond, be sure to check out the other Action Network podcasts, BBOC for uh, college football. Line change is back in the NHL. Uh, and, of course, payoff pitch uh, as the MLB playoffs are in full swing. Um, for BJ Cunningham, I'm Michael Leboff. For Anthony DeBundo, who will be back hopefully on Monday. We will see you next time. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.